Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Redemption Church this morning on this Christmas Sunday, right before we celebrate Christmas. We're glad that you guys are with us this morning. So in the clip that we just saw, Charlie Brown asked the question, is there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? What is Christmas all about? And Linus responds by reading from the text that we'll be looking at this morning, Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 through 14, right? And I believe that Linus gets it right in using this passage to say what Christmas is all about. But maybe, just maybe, this passage has become so familiar to us that we've lost some of the wonder of it all. And so what I want for us this morning is to be amazed by the wonder of this announcement and by the wonder of this song that the angels sing in Luke chapter 2. Will you pray with me as we get started? Holy Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that during these days and specifically today, we can be together, we can celebrate, we can remember Christ's birth, knowing that, God, you've given us an incredible gift in your own Son, and Holy Father, this morning as we take just a brief moment to, to look, look at Luke chapter 2 and be reminded of what you said and what you've done for us and what you've given to us and what you've promised us, Holy Father, I pray that we would be amazed all over. I pray that Christ would be lifted high in this place and that we would be drawn to you. Holy Father, I recognize that my words are of little importance and so God, I pray that we would hear your words that you would be honored and glorified. And Holy Father, we ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 2 opens with the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, issuing a, de a decree. And that's how Mary and Joseph end up in Bethlehem. That's how baby Jesus ends up in a manger. When Augustus had come to power many years before, he had initiated an era in Roman history that's today known as the Pax Romana, the, the Peace of Rome. It was a period of time when there were no wars, but peace was enforced by a brutal 
government, the peace of Rome. And all over the place, it was common for the gospel of Caesar to be proclaimed, the good news of Roman victory to be proclaimed, the the gospel of the peace of Rome, the good news that Rome has brought peace. There's all kinds of texts that we can find from the first century that reference this peace of Rome. One example is there were some stones found in a place in Turkey uh, dating to around 9 BC that speaks of the birthday of Caesar Augustus as the beginning of the new gospel of the peace of Rome. Part of the inscription on those stones is this. Listen to this. Since providence has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done, and since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings for the world that came by reason of him, the gospel of Caesar. And then we come to Luke chapter 2, and we read this all over again. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It cannot be overstated that the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, directly confronts the worldly idea that peace can come from anywhere, right? It seems to me that Luke is saying that the peace offered by King Jesus far surpasses anything that can be offered by Caesar or anyone else. And anything that Caesar has to offer pales in comparison. This message from the angels to the shepherds was a dramatically political statement but in a way that was wildly unexpected. It's a dramatically political statement and one that is especially pertinent today because Jesus doesn't align himself with earthly kingdoms because Jesus is the king. And that's what the angels said. Jesus is king, not Caesar. Jesus brings you peace, not Caesar. All glory goes to God, not to Caesar. The good news is that Jesus has arised, that ha- has arrived, and that heaven and earth have converged. And it's a false gospel to say that peace comes from anywhere else. 
The point is to say that the peace that Caesar brings isn't real. It's a false gospel. It is not good news. The only good news is that Jesus has arrived. In his arrival, God is glorified and peace is offered. Jesus offers real peace, peace that lasts, peace that points us to God, a peace that changes everything. And it's not just a peace that will bring with it an absence of war and conflict, which is what Caesar said he was doing, but it's a peace that brings with it the presence of justice and righteousness and harmony and rest and the presence of Christ himself. Christmas... It's about Jesus bringing peace. And it's a false gospel to believe that we're going to find peace anywhere else other than in God being glorified and in return God offering his peace to us through Christ. It's a dramatic statement. And we can't miss the wonder of it. And that the angels themselves and Luke in recording this for us is directly confronting the message of a world that says you can find peace anywhere other than in Christ and in Christ alone. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14 in the passage we just read we essentially have an announcement and we have a song. And those are the two things that we're going to examine very briefly this morning. I'm not going to talk for a long time. Um, simply because I want us to hear very clearly the message of Luke chapter 2 and keep that with us and just, and just really go in on that. The announcement is that Jesus is born and that he's in Bethlehem and that he is the Savior and the Messiah and that he's in a manger. We often like to talk about Jesus' humble beginnings as being in a manger, but the point in Luke chapter 2 is that the shepherds will know that's who Jesus is because he's in a manger. The angels make this announcement to the shepherds. The shepherds are the recipients of the message that Jesus is born, that he's the Messiah. The shepherds are the audience for the song, glory to God, peace to man. The angels make this announcement that today Jesus is born. The Savior is here. All that God has promised has come to pass in Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. And, and let's just be clear right off the bat. Either that is the most solid, real truth in the world, or we are wasting our time by being here celebrating that this morning. If it's true that the child born at Bethlehem that night was and is the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, then that must translate into something more than a nostalgic, happy feeling that it's the holidays. The song that these angels sing, it's the song of glory and it's the song of peace. It's a song that God is to be glorified and that peace is to come to people, that Jesus is here. That Jesus changes everything and Jesus will bring justice and righteousness and peace where there has not been that. And the song, the song that the angels sing, glory to God and peace to man, that's life-changing. It's utterly life-changing, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But this message, Jesus is here. This message that Jesus is here 
was told to shepherds. Right? It was sung to shepherds. Let's realize how significant this is, right? This is part of where Linus got it right when he quoted this passage because it shows how the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Caesar, the things of this world and what Jesus has come to do are so different. The values of our world get turned upside down in this passage. And that's what Christmas is about. The Bethlehem shepherds were near the bottom of the social and financial pile. Shepherd was thought of as on par with a tax collector or a loan shark. Universally untrustworthy, universally held in contempt. When I was growing up, my father worked for the IRS. And so you want to know about contempt, right? When he would tell people he worked for the IRS, you could see it all over the place. I get what it means to be held in contempt to a little bit at least. And there was a time when these shepherds were held in contempt even by rabbis who prohibited devout Jews from buying anything from the shepherds because they assumed that it was most likely stolen, whatever the shepherds were selling. Things like this were said about shepherds. No position in the world is as despised as that of a shepherd. They were considered to be untrustworthy to the fact that their testimony was not even admissible in a court of law. Right? By all accounts, the lowest of the low, the unclean, the unreliable, universally considered as thieves who could not be trusted. And for them... The announcement that a king was born who was going to change everything would surely be good news. Good news of great joy. If you back up to the Old Testament, if you back up to the Psalms, you know that the Lord himself describes himself as a shepherd. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, was a shepherd. David, whom Jesus is in the lineage of, was a shepherd. When God becomes a man in Christ to tend his flock and to lead his people by green pastures and quiet waters like David wrote about, he comes to shepherd country. He comes to Bethlehem where it was foretold that the Messiah would be born to the city of David, to the city of Israel's greatest king, who was once a shepherd tending sheep in these very same fields that the angels appeared to the shepherds that night. All right, let's don't miss this. God who comes among us in the person of Jesus, well, he comes to shepherds. He doesn't make this birth announcement to the mighty and to the good, not to the wise or the wealthy, not to the elite and the powerful, but to shepherds. It kind of reminds me of Mary's song that we looked at a couple of weeks ago where Mary said, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Let's don't miss the fact that many people probably 
wanted the announcement from the angels, but what they got was the shepherds telling them that Jesus was here because God went to the shepherds first. Christmas is all about God becoming man, not for the sake of perfect saints, but for the sake of the outcast and the messed up and the lowly, the dirty, the guilty, the secretly ashamed. Right, these shepherds probably came into this first Christmas not even realizing that it was the first Christmas, but came into the first Christmas probably not feeling like their lives were great because they were certainly not treated as such. They probably felt like outcasts and outsiders. And the angels came to them to say, Jesus is born today. God is fulfilling what he promised today, and you're going to find that baby in a manger. Right, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that many of us probably feel the same way this Christmas. Like outsiders, like outcasts, like dirty, guilty, messed up people. And that's exactly what Christmas is all about. Because the good news of great joy is for you and for me. Good news for those of us that are broken. We move on and look at the song for just a moment. The song says this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This song sung by the angels to the shepherds, well, it has two great outcomes. It has two great purposes. Glory to God and peace to people. God's glory, our peace. The coming of Jesus to earth is the greatest revelation of the glory of God. Right? God is glorified because this child is born. And peace is spread everywhere this child is received. And eventually Jesus will come again at the second advent. And Jesus will one day bring peace and a new heaven and a new earth. And everything will be as God intended. And we look forward to that day. But the great purposes for the coming of Jesus is glory ever ascending from man to God and peace ever descending from God to man. Right? God's glory sung out among men for the sake of his name. God's peace given to men and lived out by men for the sake of his name. There's hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the earth and he came to rescue and to reclaim the world in Jesus. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised by a peace-filled humanity. As we read on in Luke's gospel, we find out that this grown-up Jesus was a different kind of king. As Jesus grows up, he doesn't become the sort of king who rides into town, defeats his enemies, and creates peace through establishing some sort of new earthly kingdom. He spoke of his kingdom coming like seeds growing secretly, like a shepherd going to look for his lost sheep. He meant something different. The kingdom was indeed coming, 
but it didn't look like people thought it would. The peace that Jesus was bringing wasn't going to just be freedom from a political entity, even though the coming of Jesus in and of itself is a political statement that Jesus is king. He has a different kingdom in mind. And Luke, in telling the story, clearly believes that it is indeed good news. Not good news of Caesar's kingdom, but good news of Jesus' kingdom. As we read and we hear the words of the song that the angels are singing here, glory and peace, glory to God, peace, we begin to glimpse the reality that in Jesus, heaven and earth really did come together. And Luke is inviting us in to learn to sing the song for ourselves: Glory to God. Peace to one another. Luke is inviting us in to discover what it might look like in practice for Jesus really to be the Savior, the King, the Lord in our lives, in this world. For God to be glorified, for God's people to receive peace and to give peace because God came to earth for this his glory our peace the Christmas message is about the reality of God becoming flesh for you and for me for his glory for our peace and this God in the flesh is indeed the Lord of the world the king but he defeated his enemies through death and rising to rule, and rescuing the whole creation, and offering peace and reconciliation through himself. We can't hear this song about peace that God intends to offer peace without realizing in the bigger story, this song is foretelling a death inasmuch as it is announcing a birth. Jesus brings peace ultimately through his death and his resurrection. Glory to God in heaven. And peace among his people on earth. These are not two different things. They go together. Because of Christ. My great desire for us this Christmas morning. My great desire for you this Christmas. I know today is not Christmas. But as we celebrate Christmas. My great desire is that you enjoy this peace. Right? I want us to be reminded that there is a future peace that Jesus will bring at his second advent. Let's be reminded that there's a place for us to proclaim this peace now. Let's be reminded that this peace is a very personal thing as well, right? First, there are global aspects to this peace that lie in the future when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what Habakkuk tells us, Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There's future peace in Jesus when things will be as God always intended them to be. There are some immediate missional aspects to this peace that Jesus came to bring as well. The whole point of Christmas is that in Jesus, heaven and earth have come together. So that giving glory to God is directly, one might say, umbilically linked to working for peace and justice. 
It's time for us who believe that Jesus brings peace to think what it might look like for us to announce this peace to modern-day shepherds. It's time for those of us that have received the peace of Christ to work for peace where there is none. That's part of the political statement of the Advent. Let's be reminded that there is a very personal component to the peace that Jesus brings. The peace of God can never be separated from God Himself and from Christ Himself. We want peace to rule in our lives. God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from Himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Jesus lived and died and rose again that we might have peace with God, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might be reconciled to one another in relationships as brothers and sisters. And after his resurrection, Jesus, the book of Hebrews tells us, continues to intercede on our behalf to God that we might have peace. We are anxious people, always worrying But we have a Savior interceding for us, right? How incredible is that? It's the message of Christmas. Jesus came to bring peace. I told you I was going to keep it short, so let me just close with this. It's Christmas. Let's be reminded that Jesus is for us. He's for those of us who are like the shepherds. He's for those of us who need peace with him. He's for those of us who need peace with one another. He's for those of us who need peace with ourselves, with our anxious hearts, with our anxious minds. The song the angels sang reminds us that God is for us. He's for our peace and for our good, and Jesus came for that. As we consider how God is for us, let's also consider how we are then led to be for others. For those who feel hopeless and anxious, for those who have no peace, for those who are modern-day shepherds and outcasts, for immigrants, for refugees, for those who believe a false gospel, that peace can be found anywhere else. Those who believe that peace can be found in relationships, in some sort of security that comes from things or money or education, that peace will come from some sort of ideology, be it political or otherwise, simply not the case. The Advent message, the story of Christmas, is that peace comes through Christ and Christ alone. God is glorified in the birth of Jesus. His glory is most revealed in Christ. And because of Christ, we are able to have peace with God and peace with one another. And we are called that we would be a part of that peace moving out from us. One day Christ will return, and we will see the culmination of that peace that Christ has offered. We live in this now but not yet tension, where God has given us peace, but it's not fully recognized. Well, one day it will be. Part of the message of Advent is that God has given us peace, and what are we going to do with it? I'm going to light the 
Christ candle here as we enter into a time of response, knowing this morning that God has done something great for us, that God has gone out on our behalf and offered us great peace because of Christ. As we enter a time of response, let me encourage you to reflect on the good news that we have in Jesus, not not in Caesar, but in Jesus. And so as we sing, as the band comes to lead us in some songs, gives us the opportunity to worship by singing a little more, as we give at the giving table in the back, as we reflect and pray, as we come and take communion, let's be reminded that Jesus is for us. We take communion every Sunday. You can come down these side aisles, take the bread, tear it off, dip it in the wine or juice, and so remember the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. We take communion because in it we're remembering what Christ has done for us and we're proclaiming to one another that we believe it. That's why we do communion. So if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're a member of this church or not, let me invite you to come and take communion if you can do that. If you can remember what Christ has done, if you can proclaim that you believe it, let me invite you to come and worship in that way. I'm going to pray for us and we'll continue on. God, thank you for this reminder from your word that in Christ you are glorified and through Christ you offer us something incredible. God, I pray that we would receive that peace individually. And God, I pray that you would make us messengers of that peace, just like the shepherds were. God, that we would be messengers because we've met with you. We would go and and seek after Christ and that you would lead us to live like Christ and to speak to those who need to hear about Christ. And God, I pray even now as we continue to worship, I pray that Christ would be lifted high and we would be drawn to you because of Jesus. God, I ask all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen.